Hello and welcome to another edition of the usually serviceable Hopelessly Miscast Pod. Uh, it's me here in Kansas City again this week and Brian back home in G- G-Town. Right. Still holding down the fort. G-Town. Yep. Yeah. And uh, we're recording this on June 10th, but when you're listening to this, 100 days is long gone. Um, yeah. So this will probably go up around somewhere in that last week of june somewhere in there um but yeah That's yeah wah, wah. so uh <clears throat> yeah get your tickets to uh puffs that'll be oh, opening the last see. weekend of july or you wakey can... wakey too. oh yeah, yeah that's true i forgot about that yeah come see wakey wakey is done by cork theater in our space uh july 7th through the 17th yeah you impressed i remember those too. dates to kind of hand the keys over to someone else and watch them do a show. So, yeah, a that would be cool. So, uh, and really come the first weekend because my son Carson will be helping run things around there mm-hmm. and try to earn a buck. So what he doesn't yeah. know is, you know, Brian will tell him at the end of the night, well, you know, you, you earn how many people you bring and you didn't bring anybody. So I guess you earn zero. <laughs> I think what Carson doesn't know is... <laughs> Part of his duties will be cleaning the restaurants. Yes. I can't wait to hear the reaction from that. I'll be yeah. glad to deliver that news for you. Mm-hmm. So, like, no, it's not. It's like, no, like legit. It's actually what I'm thinking. <laughs> yes. That's what the box office person well, That's what he gets restaurant. paid for. So, so, but yeah, we'll, we'll work that out with him for sure. Uh, I can't wait yeah, to man, see his face. Fun, I've scrubbed these toilets enough to know. Yes. You and Calamity um, Annie certainly know those toilets well from scrubbing them down. I feel no no sorrow for him cleaning those toilets. Right. Yeah, me either. I've scrubbed enough toilets in life. So um, I was in the military for seven years, so I know what it's like. So, but yeah, come see Wakey Wakey. uh, Opens July 7th, two weekends. And we, we do have Thursday performances of that as well. Um, yeah, so Thursday through uh, Sunday. Yep. And then Puffs months. Puffs opens the 29th, is that right? 29th. And it is okay. and we've kind of been hinting at it, but yes, it's now officially sponsored by International Paper. All right. Way to track that down for its IP. Wonderful paper products, boxes, paper, and uh, you can also converse with Robin Sharp, uh, employee of International Paper about banana flyers. Yep, setting road setting road fires in banana communities all over the world. Mm-hmm. So uh, at least putting them out, that's Robin's job, I think. So mm-hmm. but yeah, come see puffs. Uh, those tickets will sell out. Um, I cannot yeah, stress yeah. that enough. Really well, so, yeah. yeah, so I don't think you're gonna get a seat if you wait until the week of or even the week before, maybe. <clears throat> you at least won't get the seats you want. Um, even if you do get one. So yeah, and then uh Moving on from there, uh, we'll move in. You know, that's the opener to our next season. A great season it is. It is. You'll hear more about that soon. Um, so, um, so what we'll, uh, like I said, I'm in the wilds of Kansas City in my palatial apartment here. Brian is back in the theater. Uh, what we'll start with today is a new feature. <clears throat> it's not anything that uh, you'd hear and be like, what are they talking about? But we like to call it, or I like to call it, master debating. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to throw out a theater topic, and Brian and I will just kind of debate it. So I'll let him choose whether he wants to be the pro or the con of the issue. And then I will attempt to play devil's advocate and take the opposite of what he's taking, even if I don't believe in it, because mm-hmm. that's the you know it's tactic perfect. of master debating. Yeah. So <clears throat> at least one time. Yeah. So uh, we've got, uh, I got three theater topics that I'll throw out to Brian. And like I said, I'll let him choose first which position he wants, the point or the counterpoint. So, uh, topic number one Uh, How do you feel? Do you feel up or down on the topic of, and this, I'll put this in the context of if you were running a show like director, producer, anything like that? Okay. It's your show, yeah. um, but it's obviously one we're putting on a community theater. So it's not one that, you know, you're the writer of you're, you're producing or directing or something like that. 
So how do you feel about yes or no changing a script or score in any way other than it's written in any way, assuming that it doesn't say in there, do not do that. Assuming it gives you the freedom to do it. If it, if it gives permission, then absolutely. You should absolutely feel free to um, adjust it because why would you handcuff yourself? You know, when things are written, I mean, traditionally, you won't produce a show at a community theater, you know, for at least about five years from when it's written. And hey, life changes a lot in five years. So <laughs> what might have been relevant uh, five years ago might need to be adjusted and changed. So I don't know why you would, again, if it's permitted, which a lot of times it's not, but if it is permitted, I don't see why you wouldn't. Take so, change what you thought you should. I hear you. So before before I move on to what I'll say is probably going to be a weak counter argument, um, <clears throat> like a Jesk type level counter argument. Um, so if you know if you were to write a show of your own, which you've done some writing, uh, mm-hmm. what would be your take? Would you prefer it be you can't change anything, or would you give? future generations or future people the opportunity to, to change it if they see fit. As a writer, uh, as long as you didn't completely change the plot, I think it's a little arrogant to think that you can't change any of my words, blah, blah, blah. It just it seems <laughs> it's unnecessary and you don't know who's going to be performing it and you could make your play or whatever screenplay look terrible if you are forcing a round peg into a square hole, uh, because you know actors are different and they have different strengths and weaknesses. So why wouldn't you allow a director to gear your script to make the show successful? Right. So again, in a Jesk level counterpoint, I'll say, if I were to play the other side, I'd say, well, <clears throat> you know, whether I, when I was, if I was putting a show together like that, I would try to, if I was trying to say I need to stay on point completely with exactly what was written, whether it's the script or the score or both, then I would say I want it exactly that way because especially from if I was the writer or the uh, composer, I would say I wrote it that way for a reason. Now, <clears throat> you know, knowing that Yes, there are different environments, but if your environment is not conducive to being what I wrote, then you're essentially changing the message behind what I'm saying, or you're, you know, minimizing it or taking it away altogether. Um, I would relate it to there are purists out there who will say, and not that I am a Bible scholar, but with all the translations of the uh, Christian Bible out there, there are people who would say there is only one true version and it's this uh, because if you stray from the translations, the original translations, you're invariably going to say, say a word from another language that it was originally written in that it did, the writer did not intend. Uh, of course, that's an extreme example, but if, if it was from the perspective of putting on a show, it would be to say, you know, I, I don't, want to change anything because I don't want anyone to walk away and feel like the message has been altered in any way, shape or form to euphemize it or to, uh, you know, put any extra emphasis where I didn't want it or vice versa. Um, I, I would really say, I guess if I was taking a stronger counterpoint, which again would not be, I would not, you know, be very adamant about this. Because I, in reality, I agree with what you're saying, um, <clears throat> whether I was the writer, director, producer, whatever. Um, I would be more concerned with the idea of saying that if I gave, if I was the writer and I gave a specific stage direction or a specific setting or something like that, a detail that was crucial to me in the writing of it, I would not want that changed. I would sure. want that to be as, as a, you know, close to what I said as possible, but, you know, again, I, I do think in reality, it's probably a little strong for someone to, and to use your word arrogant to sort of assume, okay, if I wrote a play about, you know, a 
historical fiction work from the 18th century. And, you know, it's just a kind of an off the cuff example. And someone said, well, we want to adapt it to kind of make the language a little more understandable. And I said, no, you must use ye oldie terms and it must sound exactly like I wrote it because that's the way they talked back then. Well, yeah, there's, there's something to be said for the purest angle of it, but if you're trying to get across a message, I've never been one to think, okay, well, you got 95% of the message, so therefore it wasn't 100, so therefore it's not right. I'm, I'm more to the point of saying, look, you know, use a little common sense here. So that it wasn't a very good counterpoint, like I said, because I, I was in a, you took the position I would have been stronger for, um, but that's okay. To counter your counterpoint, then if, if a person were to feel so strongly about a production, then they should not make it available for amateur companies to produce. Um, very true. If you, if you feel that strongly about your script and it shouldn't be touched, then you should understand that only people that can afford to search and pay professionals to produce your script is really the only way it should ever be produced. And you should not expect to be being, being to be getting royalties from community groups attempting to do a show that you've written. So, right. If you feel that way strongly, I would completely agree with you, but you should also then limit who can perform the production. Great point. So, and that's why it's master debating. <laughs> so topic number two, and I know, I know, uh, you and I have had discussions about this and we uh, many times and there are different ways of looking at it. So I'll say there's old school and new school. And when I describe old school, I'm defining it as things that were, that worked, that have traditionally worked over the test of the test of time. And new school is more things that we'll say have emerged, they're emerging technologies or things that have emerged as, you know, they're not, you know, it, at least a number of people use it. Maybe not a majority, but a number of people use it over the last, I'll make up a number, five to 10 years. <clears throat> so marketing and community theater, old school or new school, which one works better? So what do you consider old school? Old yes, school in my mind would be, and I'm going to chuckle because you and I have talked about this posters, uh, mailers, uh, let's see, newspaper articles, uh, you know, things like that. New school would be heavy emphasis on social media, um, podcasting, things like that. Whereas old school might be radio interviews or even I would consider I don't, I don't know that I call it either one because I think it sort of spans both, but television interviews. Yeah. I mean, that's something that's been around for a while. Uh, you know, so it's, I, I think that there is a school of thought amongst people. And I don't know, I, I will say, I don't know anyone who subscribes to one or the other, yeah. but it's more like which works better in a community theater setting today. For most shows, for most shows, new school works. Um, people don't read newspapers anymore because uh, they don't really hardly exist. Um, I have, you know, I've been doing this. This is closing out my third year here, my third season. Uh, I have absolutely no anecdotal evidence. No one has ever come up to me and said, I saw a poster in the restaurant window, so I bought a ticket. I have had lots of people come up to me and say, I saw your ad pop up on Facebook, so I bought a ticket. No one's ever said uh, that about a poster. You and I have talked about this. <laughs> I'll ironically say I'm shocked to hear that. Yeah. Posters work in some instances, when the title is well known. For instance, Elf, uh, this past season. You put an Elf poster up in a window, someone glances over at it and says Elf. They're like, oh, I know that, that looks fun. Um, that, that's, that's an effective, that's when I think posters would be most effective. Even a show like Bright Star, which was recently on Broadway, 
not much people, not the general public doesn't know that show. So they stare at the poster and by the limitations of poster, you can't stare at any poster and have any idea of what the show is going to be about. The only thing that might have worked, and I don't think it did, because I had no one come up with me and talk about the, the uh, Bright Star poster. Uh, Steve Martin's name was on the poster. That, again, it's all about familiarity. I think posters only work with when there's familiarity. There will be shows next season. Old school will work. Um, but if you're going to throw money somewhere, if you only had a 300 bucks to throw at a marketing plan for a show, you should absolutely throw it at social media because, and I will say this, they allow you to target your audience so much better than old school media. Um, you don't have any control who's walking in the restaurant and seeing poster. You have control on who's being shown that ad on social media because I get to pick your age, your gender, your interests that you have liked on Facebook. And so I can select the things that I think would make, for instance, a Pride and Prejudice. Like you like Jane Austen. You're a female between the ages of 21 and 50. Um, that's, that's when I put my 200 bucks down to purchase that digital ad. That's who I want to get that ad in front of. And that's who I know is going to have that ad in front of them. And you can't do the same thing with a poster. So again, gun in my head, where's your ad dollars better spent? Absolutely. And I have, I have to go new school, not to completely say that none of the old school methods work, but if you have to choose between the two, you're much better served to put it in new school. Yeah, I agree. I'm, I'm just going to cop out here and say that, you know, I think that if I was saying there, you know, I'll, I'll sort of take this tack. I'll say if there are any old school methods that seem to still get any bang for the buck, I think I agree with you completely. It's, there's a huge there should be a huge thought toward what is the, what is the show we're talking about? What is the content? What is the target audience? I mean, because th this is where I see the distinction is that old school is more like, you know, because I, I saw this where this topic came from was seen searching for articles online about, you know, what's new, what's old versus what's old in the in community theater. Marketing comes up a lot. And I, I will say that I'm, I guess I'm not shocked, but I'm still a little surprised at the number of community theaters out there that seem to be in the mindset of posters and newspaper articles. And you and I have had debates with at least one board member about articles in the newspaper, in our local newspaper before COVID. I don't think it's come up since, but. You know, no. they would say, oh, we got it. You know, we got an article in, in the newspaper. And it's like, uh, great. Whoop-de-doo. Um, but I would say it's like this. Social media has some of this as well, but I agree with you. It's targeted. Social media can be targeted because it's algorithm-based for the most part. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's based around people's preferences. And it's, yes, you're still going to get the random, the random that shows up. And says, I saw this in a random whatever on social media or even just on the internet in general. I was doing a search and I found the GCT website and I looked and I saw this. You'll get that. But old school to me is more of a carpet bombing approach. It's we're going to send out a thousand mailers and we're going to get, you know, people can walk in with a mailer and say, I came to see this show because I got this mailer. Now, do they do that? No, they don't. And, and you want, you want to know why they don't? They don't because it's expensive to send a mailer. And to yeah. truly carpet bomb something, you'd have to spend thousands of dollars. Or it's, it's then it becomes an ROA, ROI situation. You'd have right. to spend thousands of dollars to shoot a shot wide enough that it would hit enough households that are interested. And so if you have a limited marketing budget, which we absolutely do here, you have to spend the dollars where you get the most, get the eyeballs that need to see what you're doing to get those eyeballs, uh, get that ad in front of them. 
And I will say, I mean, this is even, uh, I, I, if I think where we are going, as much as it pains me to say this, um, is that we need to start marketing to influencers in town uh, because influencers have becoming, are becoming more and more powerful ad-wise. And so you have to woo these influencers. I think something that we need to look at marketing-wise is figure out who they are and then woo them in because they have big followings that for whatever reason, people just follow them like lemmings uh, and do whatever they're told to do. Um, I think that's the next step in marketing as weird as that is uh, right. for a community theater situation. But I think that's where we're headed if you want well, to be effective. Yeah, no, I agree. And as a last thought on the carpet bombing approach, it's you and I have had this discussion ad nauseum, especially going back to pre-COVID, you know, is that, you know, we could send out, we could send out, you know, a more targeted mailer and we could put articles in the paper and we could put posters up all around town and people could actually see it and say, I want to go see that show. The people who generally see those and come see the shows on it, they're coming already. They're coming because we're doing a show. Yeah. I mean, it's, and Hey, I am not knocking that at all. Trust me. I love to hear people say, I'm, I'm coming to see a show here. I don't care what it is. I'll just, I just came to see it. You and I sat there. Well, didn't sit there. We were standing there last weekend and somebody came in and a couple of people came in and said, we're here to see the show. When you, we don't even know what it is. They didn't yeah. even know the name. Yeah. Okay, fine. To me, that is not a like, whoa, what are you doing here? That's a compliment. I take it as a compliment to the theater. We're putting on a good product and they don't care what it is. As long as it's something that they don't look at the name and go, ooh, I've seen that and I hate it, which most people don't, they're going to come see it. You know, so I would argue that. I send an email out to my staff today for the marketing investment. I would argue that this particular season, the 50th season, from an artistic standpoint, is the strongest season that GCT has ever put out from top to bottom. Uh, the shows were good. Um, all of them were solid. I'm not saying all of them were perfect because no show is perfect. And, uh, but I think by and large, if you came to any of our shows this year, you were treated to a good uh, a good time, uh, something that is gives you good entertainment value, and that's certainly the goal moving forward. Which, of course, we're at least biased to some degree because you know we helped pick it. Um, but you know you that know to me that doesn't that doesn't lessen the effect. And I think you would also agree with me here. I'm the most critical of anything. You are, yes. Our stage as well, and. Um, you and I have certain points we, we both peeve on and yeah, sort of get anal about. Past, yes, in past seasons, you know, I've let my um, feelings known to you on numerous occasions about what a certain show might be lacking. And this season, I believe, to the best of my knowledge, I've had very, very few conversations with you in that regard. So, yeah. So, and I mean, the statement you made about it being a great season and our best, you know, I, I concur for various reasons. And then I would also add on the top of that, the cherry on top of that is that's considered, I mean, I'm sure there's somebody along the way in GCT lore who said, who looked at a season of not retreads, but shows that have been done before, at least at other places or at our place or whatever. And said, we have a really great season. And I'm not saying that they were wrong at the time. They may have been. But I'm saying if you also look at the season and say, I mean, because you and I have gone into each season with some level of trepidation about our programming. Is this going to sell? Is that going to sell? Are people going to like this? You know, even if they liked it 10 years ago, are they going to like it now? This, This season had a majority of them were regional premieres. Yes. So eat your heart out, Corinth. It's still a regional premiere. So, you know, I. Next podcast. 
what we need to do is a deep dive on programming and the thought processes behind. Perfect. I love it. Programming. And uh, for those that want to know why we pick the shows we pick, I think it would be a, a good thought process. And, and then I think we can, between the two of us, analyze this past season, analyze season 50, what worked, what didn't work, uh, and why we think those things were the case. So but that should be a fun. Uh, yes. Great, great topic. So, and that'll be, we'll record that on Friday, June 17th. Right. So here's the last uh, master think, debater topic. Oh, go I ahead. Think that would actually be a great uh, season three of the podcast opener. Actually, I think that would yeah. line up. So that's right, yes. This I is probably our season closer. <laughs> I forgot to mention that this will be the season two ending show. Yeah. So this is the grand finale, folks. Yeah. No confetti or streamers. We'll have that when I'm back in Memphis. Because that'll be when I move back officially so that Brian doesn't have to show up and slit my throat in my sleep. So, right. No, I was just moving <laughs> with my children, and you would hate that. No, I, again, I would just move to another place. You know, <laughs> I'd find another place called Kansas and move there. So, um, so last topic for master debaters uh, up or down jukebox musicals. Yeah, I threw that one in there as like red meat for you. So I'm going to be honest with you. I'm a sucker for a good jukebox musical. Oh, hot take. I am. Um, I know some people don't enjoy them at all, but I, let me just take it. Let me explain my point. A theater purist would probably turn their nose up. It's like, oh, you're just picking a bunch of songs from an artist and loosely tying a story around. That's not theater. That's cheap. Ah. <laughs> I understand that. I understand that. Um, but the reason people do, do jukebox musicals is because the songs are so solid and people want to hear them and people want to come and see them. And as an executive director, you can only do so much avant-garde stuff before your theater closes. So uh, it's okay from time to time to embrace the masses and welcome them in with open arms by giving them that, that uh, McDonald's uh, extra value meal with you know the extra large French fry. Uh, not healthy for you, not great for you, but man, it sure tastes good. And what that's kind of my feeling about um, jukebox musicals. I can't believe you made a McDonald's analogy since you hate McDonald's. Yeah, I, don't <laughs> know. I did. There it was. <laughs> so, I mean, it's. Uh, I mean, I, I'll. I'll say full disclosure. So I, I went and I saw a million million dollar quartet on Tuesday night. Mm-hmm. Uh, so right down that alley, uh, and it definitely that, felt that like McDonald's. Little, I mean, I mean, from a. Critics' point of view, that's one of the strongest jukebox musicals there is. So, yeah. Yeah. So I'll put a pin in that. So, if I'm taking the counterpoint, I would say that I really don't, I'm not interested in the whole purist angle of it's, you know, you're just taking somebody's songs and framing a story around it. I would say, from a counterpoint perspective, I think jukebox, jukebox musicals are stupid because they're pandering. And they're just simply a cash grab, almost like, you know, we have a good thing in this. Let's go out and put some butts in the seats, which, you know, from I'm talking about like professional theaters. Let's rule out community for a second. Professional theaters would do it to put butts in the seats and make people walk out with a big fat joker smile on their face. And that's not what theater is all about. Theater is about, you know, entertain but at the same time, challenging you to think about something. It doesn't always have to have some deeper theme, but something to sit that you walk out and say, I've never seen that before, or I've never heard that before, uh, or I've never seen someone portray something that way before, um, or else it's just retread material. So mm-hmm. jukebox musicals, if I'm taking the opposite perspective, are just you know it's it's the movie it's to me it's like 
if I was thinking that route, I'd say, you know what a jukebox musical is? It's an animated movie that we know sucks, but it's because we just need to give parents something to take their little kids to. Uh, we know it's garbage and it shouldn't be there. You know, I'm looking at you movies like Shrek three, stuff like that. It's out there as red meat to take kids to the same with a jukebox musical. It's to take people and go, ah, I could have sat at home and listened to this music and thought of, you know, nostalgic types of things, but instead I'll see it acted out by someone on a stage and I'll call it theater now. Okay. You know, that sort of rant deactivated. Moving on, I will say that no, I am, I'm not a he- Okay, go ahead. Before you jump too far off this. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back in and say, uh, make, make another argument. Look at what's on Broadway right now. You had two of about the only original musicals announcing the closing this week. And Dear Evan Hansen and Come From Away. Both announced that they are closing, I think, by October. Um, those were, you know, not based, quote unquote, on anything or not a jukebox musical. My bigger issue than jukebox musicals is slapping a 80s or 90s movie and slapping musical on the end of it. <laughs> I will tell you why I prefer jukebox musicals is that the, you go to a musical to hear people sing. Let's be honest. Right. Um, so a jukebox, jukebox musical, at least the songs have been tried and tested and are good. These movie, these plays or musicals are about movies. Usually their books are terrible. And I would much rather see if, again, the point is to see a musical. I'd much rather see a musical with good music than um musical based off of a movie with terrible songs throughout. And that's why those things open and close faster than you can shake a stick at. Yep. Look at me and just not fire. And there, again, there are the occasional ones that are really good. Mean Girls was great. Uh, I've heard wonderful things about Beetlejuice, but most of them, looking at you, Rocky, are bad. <laughs> most yeah. of them are bad. And it's looking at you, King Kong, um, Ooh, and you saw that one. I did see it. Looking at you, Spider-Man. Uh, it's almost always <laughs> because the music is horrendous. Yep. And that's I completely agree with what you're saying. It's and, and you know what, what you know what go ahead. Shows trickle down to us. They start on Broadway, they're popular, people hear about them, they close on Broadway, then they come down further and further, touring group, and then they come to regional, and we pick the ones that we are physically capable of doing. So all of it kind of feeds from that. And what is not being produced right now is truly new original musicals, not based off a movie and not based off of a a jukebox musical. No one's doing it. And so what what are your choices at this point? I would much rather go jukebox musical than go movie based off grumpy old men that has a terrible score right (laughs) yeah which didn't even think it was a musical um well well, i to be to full disclosure i didn't think that was a musical either so it's you and me in that same boat annie um but it's i will say to all that not a counterpoint a agreement it's it's the the way that the proliferation of these shows like rocky and stuff like that I get the whole point of people want nostalgia. Trust me. I get it. I'm stuck many times in the eighties and nineties, um, being a child of those eras. However, uh, it strikes me as the same sort of phenomenon that you had in the eighties and nineties, where you had a successful movie and then they tried to turn it into a damn TV show. Like Mm -hmm. an infamous flame out is Ferris Bueller's day off. They made a TV show with that. I didn't know that. You know who was on that show? No. A young Jennifer Aniston. Wow. Yes. Okay. There's there. Are, you'd be surprised at how many movies they try to turn into TV shows. Some of them were animated, like you had an animated Ghostbusters uh, yeah, cartoon I mean, show. That oh, yeah. that show people mildly liked. Yeah. 
but there are plenty of flameouts from the eighties where it was a very successful movie. They tried to make it into a TV show and it's like, no, no. Even at the time people thought, why, why are you doing this? And so the cries then are much louder now of, Hey, Broadway, Hollywood, come up with something original. I think the originality right now is seems to feel like it's primarily in the TV realm. Um, that's why you have such a proliferation of TV shows. Um, so I would like to see some of that migrate its way back to live stage. Um, I think it will. It's just, will it happen anytime soon? I don't know. Cause you know, I can say it. I, I understand it's tough to produce original content and it's much easier to say, let's do a cash grab and put a jukebox musical that people do like, or a show that's a musical that people don't really like, but it's out there, you know, and let's retread the music and all that kind of stuff. Because, Hey, I'm just like the next person. I'd like to make a nice check too. Right. Um, so jukebox musicals, I actually do enjoy them. I don't like all of them, but I like some of them. And I think that even if, even the ones that I've seen that are not as good, there's to your point, they're still better than seeing something like, you know, some of these Broadway musicals that are just now, nah, now, nah. why'd we do that? Yeah. Now, nah. So <clears throat> that's good. So that's master debating for today. So yeah, well, good. So, and we have some more of these, that'll be a, a feature we bring back and forth. So cool. uh, to give you a couple of, you know, a couple of smokes and a couple of road beers for today um, in the words of T-Bird. Um, and we'll be quick with this, but give you a couple of, you know, we did a, we did some last time that was what may, what annoys you more. And I'm going to go back to that because I have some happier ones, but I want to save those for when we have a moral compass on the show, like a Robin or a Christina someone who can rein us in and also can hear that I do get happy occasionally. So, um, Marcus can, I think Marcus is more of a moral compass than we are. Yeah. He's definitely more moral than you and I, even though he is elapsed, I won't say what, but he's elapsed something. Um, the same as Kinsey, you know who you are if you're listening, Kinsey. So, um, (laughs) so, um, yeah, she's definitely not. Um, so what annoys you more, Brian? Yeah. Uh, actor, other. This is when you're an actor in the show. Other actors who aren't on time ever, or actors who touch props that aren't theirs. Actors that aren't on time. I, I don't. If they, as long as they don't <laughs> move the props, I don't give a crap if they touch. The props. <laughs> if you're not here when you're supposed to be, that that's right out, and I can't deal with that at all. Yeah, I mean, you know how I am about being on time. It's like, <laughs> no, on time is late. You know, five minutes early is on time. You know, mm-hmm. I, I get annoyed by people who touch props that aren't theirs. It's like, why? Why do you feel the need to play with that? And, you know, we had somebody in Bright Star who decided to try to do that a couple times and thankfully got slapped down by a couple of the, their fellow castmates. Um, yeah, I didn't even know about that. So. But they, well, they didn't do it egregiously. It was just more like, <laughs> oh, this looks interesting. It's like, yeah, don't touch that. Um, I, I mean, I know you've been in shows like this too. I've been in shows where people literally like walk off with it intentionally and put it somewhere else. Yeah, that's, like, why? Yeah, that's just weird. But again, I'd rather deal with that than someone that's not here. So. Yes, agreed. So here's your next one. People, and this is when you're an actor also, people in the dressing room who take up a shitload of room or people who subject everyone else to their loud slash throaty vocal warm-up exercises. Both of these annoy the hell out of me, but, uh, I, have, but I have a winner. For me, it'd be the vocal warm-up stuff. Yeah, I, see, I'm, I'm the other one. See, I, I tend to require so little space and a counter space since the only show I've, I think, worn makeup in the last <laughs> decade is Dracula because it was required because they had certain looks they wanted for me. So 
in general, I'm just walking in the dressing room as close to showtime as I, I possibly can and still be dressed in time, throwing that stuff on and going directly on stage. So I don't need counter space, so it doesn't bother me at all. I do, in general, not that I've really run into this problem. I don't ever remember. Again, I don't do, music, I don't do musicals a lot, so maybe that's, that's why. Um, uh, but yeah, I don't, I don't appreciate unnecessary noise as a general rule. Like I hate when my dog barks and my kids cry. I prefer quiet. So that would be <laughs> more on my nerves in general. You're really on a roll today. So, <laughs> so now I'm the, and it's, it, I could, be, I could need to sit down and, you know, do makeup or not. I can't stand when people take up a bunch of room, take up a lot of space in the dressing room. It's inconsiderate. It's not your world must living in it. Get your shit and move it. And our dressing room, even with our remodel, is not big. It's not That's big. So you put more than three guys back there, you're going to be cramming for space, even if you need to just set something down, like while you're getting a mic ready to put on or something. And if you can't find space to do that, that's a problem because people are in there just, you know, they've got their entire makeup kit all spread out or they've got clothes everywhere or whatever. I should have added in here messy people in the dressing room because people who have like loose clothes all over the place bother me too, but we'll, we'll put a pin in that. That may come back for a later one. Yeah. I don't have any patience for that either. Hang your stuff up. Here's a good one. Actors who decide that they need to give you notes as a fellow actor or actors who treat stage management very poorly. I hate both of these as well, but I have a winner. How often am I getting notes from an actor? <laughs> Let's just say day. you're getting them more than once in a production. I tend to be able to brush that stuff off, but I, I can't do a show with a bad stage manager. I just can't. I, well, I so, it, well, it's, I mean, are we, we're talking about people like other actors who treat stage managers. You see them treating them like crap. Oh, oh. That, no, if you got a good stage manager, I have no patience for other actors. Treating or ASMs them. or dressers, you know, people that you are know, just completely they're, they're unappreciative. I have no patience for that at all. Um, yeah, that's where I lean to. You be rude, rude to your fellow actors even. Uh, if you're going to be mean to your stage manager or someone that's trying to make sure you look nice when you go on stage, get out. Get out. Just Right. It's like, why are you here? Yeah. <laughs> We don't need to hear. I don't care how talented you are. There are things more important than your talent, and it's being a decent human being to other people. So yep. that will always take precedence for me. I want nice humans over anything. Well, if you were if you're directing as you've done before, I'm sure that really bothers you to hear that stage management has been treated like crap. Never happened. I've never had that situation with the show I've directed. But if you uh, did. Oh, it would, it would, no, they'd be, no. So. It, it, it would, they, they'd be gone. Right. We know that I will do that. So. Uh, <laughs> what? Uh, you, it's unfortunate. And I'm going to leave it there. I hate to do it. If, you know, if behavior reaches a certain point, um, you know, you got to cut yep. ties. We've had to do that uh, a few times in my tenure here in the last three years so uh, it's not, yeah. not pleasant but one person can't hold everyone else hostage so, yeah, yeah. If it needs to be done then you know okay so that was your your couple of smokes and road beers so uh now let's take the uh the road beers and drive to florida mm. i know you have a report for us i do music yeah. is cued yeah oh guys just so you know i'm so excited for season three music it's gonna be amazing oh yes so, <laughs> i know you've been scouring the internet for it i have i spent like a good four hours looking for <laughs> copyright <laughs> slash royalty free music on uh, monday tuesday so i really wish uh, we could use some 80s hair band music for that stuff so you would really I mean, be excited 
the, the opening music is it's almost a you know. Just you're gonna have to watch next time. Okay, back to the Florida. Yes. Florida man bitten by alligator after mistaking reptile for dog with a long leash. Oh, good lord. <laughs> a Florida man who mistook an alligator for a dog on a leash is expected to make a full recovery after being badly bitten by a seven-foot-long reptile. Authorities in the state said the encounter began in the early hours of the morning after a man near a motel in Northport spotted what he thought was a dog in the bushes. The man noticed a dark figure moving along the bushes and believed it was, quote, a dog with a long leash, said Sarasota County Sheriff's spokesman Douglas Johnson in a statement reported by NBC News. But the man was quickly disabused of his belief that the creature was a dog when it bit him on the leg. He attempted to get away at that point and felt the alligator rip a chunk of his muscle slash tissue off, Johnson said. The man was taken to a hospital where he was treated for his wounds and the alligator was captured and taken to a, taken to a local farm. The victim and has been released down. from the hospital <laughs> and is expected to make a full recovery. Are we sure we want him to make a recovery? I mean, it's kind of uh, natural this selection, was, uh, maybe. This was yesterday. Good uh, Lord. June 9th, 2022. <laughs> I mean, and again, I'll ask, what part of Florida was this? Uh, Sarasota. Okay, close enough to Tampa. Yeah, pretty close. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that, that's that's another good one, but it's like that these just, I mean, Florida is a treasure trove of this stuff. You, you just can't get enough Florida. Um, I, I have a feeling he was walking near a hotel in Northport. Either he was <laughs> or quite drunk when he saw said dog in the bushes. So, uh, yeah. At least it's more explainable if alcohol or drugs were involved. Yes. So, yes. unless they're on the part of the alligator, but mm-hmm. so, um, so yeah. And you know who else loved that Florida report is your boy Frank Washington. So oh, yeah. he's here Frank, with. Is he giving us a good facial expression for that? Yeah. Oh, totally. And so he's got because of that, he's willing to give you a few overheard at the movie theater comments. Mm, okay thanks frank so these are tweets from but that frank has found for you so uh from at obocop uh i went to see 127 hours at the cinema partway through a lady in the row behind me said i hope he's not going to be stuck behind that rock for the whole film <laughs> so if you don't know the joke you don't have to watch the movie just google it you'll get the point so because I never saw the movie, but I know the story. <clears throat> so the next one is at Ashley, at Ashley X-Man. One time I was watching Harry Potter in theaters. And when Fudge realizes Voldemort is back and says he's back, all shocked, this dude from the back goes, well, no shit. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> that was probably one of us. <laughs> it feels like it. Yeah. Yes. So your next one is at Kelsey Overboard. Went to go see The Hobbit, and an old couple was sitting in front of me who had clearly never seen Lord of the Rings. <clears throat> Schmeagle came on the screen, and the husband goes, Aw, who's this little fella? Unquote. <laughs> I'll never forget it. <laughs> so isn't he cute? <laughs> Something like that. So this one is at Common Maggie. I miss my... I miss my husband asking the lady two rows behind us who answered her phone and started a conversation during the movie and asked her, are you serious? Then telling her to hang up or leave similar to the time he told the teen playing on her phone that she was not in her living room. (laughs) So apparently her husband likes to uh, yell at people in the movie about their phone. I went to see a movie last night here. It was totally by myself. I felt secure using my phone a couple of times, <laughs> yes. but not for long. So I just was checking, like, to see, did someone email me? Uh, your next one is from at the Bionic Kraken. Uh, yeah. I still remember seeing Kung Fu Hustle in theaters, and 20 minutes into the movie, two rednecks stood up and said out loud, quote, we didn't come to a theater in America to have to read, 
unquote. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone stared at them as they left, and we all laughed together at afterwards. So that's a good one. Uh, A couple more. At Ariel Winther X. During the previews for Jurassic World, a movie your son loves, I heard a 12-year-old kid say, wait, the original came out in 1993? Was it in black and white? Did grandma watch it? (laughs) And I could hear the dad die inside a bit when he said, no, uh, I watched that with your uncle after classes that day. (laughs) (laughs) I remember watching that movie with my uh, my cousins in Columbia, Tennessee. Uh, Wow. Is uh, you know, 93 was that when we came? Yeah, we were teenagers, yeah, because I remember seeing the theater as like a college freshman, I think I was when it came out, or I'd graduated high school. I know that. And this last one is uh, at Tom Blagg. I remember waiting for the fellowship of the ring to start rolling, and when the name came up, someone yelled, This isn't Shrek loudly. (laughs) (laughs) So Frank hopes that you liked this week's uh, Heard at the Theater quotes. Yeah. Thanks, Frank. Yeah, so now he's that asking. He's whispering in my ear with, while making a face and saying, does Brian have any dad jokes? Oh, does Brian have dad jokes? What a silly question, Frank. Of yeah, course. now I made Frank's Brian. face up. Ooh. <clears throat> so, you know how much a rainbow weighs? How much? How much? They're pretty light. <laughs> okay <laughs> ding ding where's christina when you need her well, oh. her um someone keeps sending me flowers with the heads go i think i'm being stalked <laughs> i can say she probably would not like that one at all no she wouldn't like any of these <laughs> that would be bad and, okay uh, Sad news, I had to fire the guy. I hired him on my lawn. He just didn't cut it. Oh, uh, wow. What's the, what the, that harkens me back to what's the name of the guard, Ben the Gardener in Mausoleum? The, yes. We had to fire Ben. What is ben the Gardener's name? I wonder if it's Ben. <laughs> yeah, that's right. This is not Jurassic Park. Where's Ben the Gardener? <laughs> we haven't watched that in a while. Yeah, we need to. Yes. Need to. So, any more jokes? More. We need to watch Samurai Cop together. Yes, we do. One last show for the day. Okay. My friend Jack says that he can communicate with vegetables. Jack and the beans talk. Uh, Wow. I know she would hate that one. That would be a no, 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 no. (laughs) I mean, that would be totally detestable to her. Now, probably she'll hear this at some point. I'll play it for her. She'll be like, eh, that wasn't bad. Yeah. It'll just show that I clearly still don't know anything about women. So, who does? No one. Yeah, does. that's the the eternal mystery. So, uh, so do you have a closing rant or a hand for us? Um, you know, coming off my dishwasher rant, which I think was maybe one of the best rants I've ever had. That was good. Um. Trying to think if I do have one. Um, yeah, I'm not prepared for a rant today. I guess my life is okay where I don't feel the need to go off on anything. At the moment. Okay. Well, I mean, you know, I've got something. So yeah, it's maybe yeah. your rant will spur me into a. Um, okay. Well, good. I mean, I hope so. My my rant is is back to the familiar of the road. So given that, you know, I drove uh, from Memphis to Kansas city on Wednesday and it actually, for the most part was a, uh, if you can have a pleasurable seven and a half hour drive, it was not, it it was one of the better ones since I was trying to calculate how many times I've driven it. It's at least, at least a dozen now um, in the past 13 months. So, but the, point being is so this is something that's been an ongoing rant for me a lot of my life especially as i've gotten like to drive the highways of the of this country a lot 
And I explained it to my son, Carson, when he was learning to drive. And now that he's gone back and forth to college through three times between Memphis and Fort Worth, he's, he understands what I'm talking about. And it's the, when you get on the highway and I don't have a better term for it. So I'm going to use Phoebe's term from friends of lurker. You get a lurker and it's, for some reason it's you'll be going along nice and steady, whether there's traffic or not, you're passing people, they're passing you. So be it an hour goes by three hours, go by five hours, go by. But after a while you pick up a lurker and the lurker is someone who chooses, even if you are passing them by 10 miles per hour where they're passing you by that, all of a sudden their speed changes and you start going both around the same speed. And I get that when you're close enough, drafting occurs and one of you is going to come up on the other and stuff, but you just get into this cycle of you pass them, they pass you, you pass them, they pass you, and it's back and forth. So what I try to do is if I see the lurker and the, I'm a lurker to them too, I get I try to slow down by a few miles per hour for a couple of miles and let them go on ahead. Let's not lurk. And then, so this happened the other day as I'm in central Missouri and the car kept slowing down and speeding up with me. And then the best part was, as I pull into where I'm going to stop for gas, where I normally do about an hour uh, south of where I get to Kansas city to my apartment, they stop at the same exact place. And then the lady gets out and sort of gives me this look like I'm a jerk. She look, gives me a dirty look. So I cut her one back and we didn't say anything, but it's like, so then it almost became this staring match of who's going to leave first. You know, it's like, and I, I didn't understand what was really going on here. What is this? So I don't know if this is a rant more than it is just call it a creepy moment. She may, she probably thought I was a creep too, but it's, I purposely stopped filling up my car and just left because I didn't want her to be lurking. And so it's like, what is going on here? I don't understand. But when you're lurking with someone, when the two of you get this symbiont circle going on a highway for some reason, just one of you decide I'm going to speed way up or I'm going to slow way down and let you go or I'm going to go. There's no need to do that because then you get into this this annoying cycle of this car is always with me. Anyway, the stupid rant, but it's a rant. Yeah. Um, did you think of anything like the washing machine? I kind of did. Um, okay. I think this is a rant that you will relate to as well. At what point will mothers stop treating sons like they're 12 years old? Oh, yeah. Preach, brother. Uh, yeah, I had an experience with my mom this week where you're going to hell. You know, it's uh, it's like I am not grown up at all. I'm 10 years old. And Ben's being generous. You know, just her towering over you and just giving, reading you the riot act about you and your choices. And, uh, you know, it's weird. Like now I like, I probably am probably almost twice the size of my mother. And, uh, but still there's just nothing like that feeling of you're a baby again. And then like, you try to walk away and you're like, wait a second. They, she's not physically, legally allowed to keep me here against my will. <laughs> B, she can't physically keep me here. Yeah, I have kids of my own for crying out loud. Yeah, I can just, I can just go. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. I would hope as, uh, you know, I, hey, I've got kids. I've got so many kids. Um, <laughs> and a dog that acts like a kid. At some point, um, I will just let my kids do their thing and live their lives and uh, not criticize every moment of every waking hour that my children live. So, you know, right. I still love my mom. She's wonderful. 
in so many ways and just, you know, different generation, different thought process. Uh, and uh, I guess I just wish it were possible to have a better relationship with her in the, the world as it exists today. And, you know, you keep driving through that and you try to hope and do things to try to make that possible. And sometimes it's not. So, yeah. Right. Now so it's that's my rant for the day. people out there may say, "Wow, that's a deep one," but it's yeah. it's a true one. It's yeah, one that I deal with as well, and it's definitely yeah. So yeah. You know, get in my car and drive off. I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm 44 years old. What, what is going on? <laughs> yes, it's like I think I can pick up my own shirts by now, um, or yeah. you know, if I want a haircut, I'll get a haircut. Well, your mom's very critical of your hair and. Uh, recently, my mom's been all about my health lately. And it's like, uh, my favorite thing is like, your eyes are bulging out. You have a thyroid <laughs> problem. You need to get it. You got okay. told that? Yeah. Within the last oh month, I'm like, what? What are you talking about? <laughs> wow. We were. <laughs> okay. Yeah. We're. We're sort of migrating into the kind of discussion you and I have offline, but that's, yeah, yeah definitely that's, I know that feeling is like, I've never been told I have a thyroid problem, but I've definitely been told many, many times I have a weight problem. Um, and is, what is it related to? Am I eating too much? Am I not exercising? You know, what's going on here? You know, because I want to see you in some nice fitting clothes is what I've been told before. Um, uh, in that conversation at one point said, you don't look well. <laughs> oh my gosh. Wow. What's got, what's gotten into her lately? So yeah, that's great. What's gotten into your mom lately? I mean, I've heard you sit, describe some discussions, but this one, yeah, she's like migrating into uh, Eddie Fay territory. Yeah. So, I mean, that's my mom. Yeah. That's Eddie Fay. So she'll never listen to this. So I don't know. Uh, she, she won't care. Yeah. It's, I, I feel you, man. Trust me. <laughs> you know, I do. I mean, yeah. that's when I've had therapy in my life. Yeah. That's come up a lot. Um, yeah. Especially since my mother at one point wanted to come to my therapist with me. It's like, yeah, yeah. that's not going to happen. So it's like, that's the whole point of therapy that I don't have to talk to you, mom. Um, so we'll just remember that we're, we're going to, experience you know medieval times together and you know in the spirit you know of people named you know michael and you know eric and graham and you know john and people like that you know people might understand the what i'm referring to but you do i'm sure yeah. hey um uh, related to that chicago is coming to the botanic gardens in october are you in yeah chicago the band is what you're talking about have you seen how many people are on that poster? Speaking no. of posters, yeah, the band has like 10 people in it. I know they have a horn section, but it's 10 people. Well, I, I, are we really wanting to go see Chicago? Because I'll go to I'll that. Go see, yeah, I want to go see Chicago. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. I will commit to go to Chicago. All right. So it's better than committing to go see something with Churg. Love you, Churg. So, um, sure, but no, with Brian, it's a real date with, Chris, with, with you. It's, it's not. So, um, yeah, Brian knows what I'm talking about. Um, so yeah, we, we veered off severely took a left turn at Albuquerque. Um, but yes, I will commit to Chicago and we nice. will end this pod now. So, um, yeah. thank you very hey, much guys. for listening. Season and, uh, two is over. Yes. And what a great season it's been, um, yeah, except for COVID and, you know, all kinds of other stuff, I won't say. So uh, we have not a whole lot planned except new theme music, which, you know. Yeah. And we'll, we, we are talking about some guests. So yeah. uh, I'm trying to wrangle up some guests. Take a peek behind the curtain next with our season opener on how we pick plays. Yes. It should be fun if that's your thing. So. Oh, and if it's not, well, listen anyway. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we, we like you. I won't say we love you. You're you're special in your own way. 
yeah. but whatever you can think that so uh i'm gonna have a couple more drinks here in kansas city uh brian has to help with the show for a while but then he's gonna yeah. go have more drinks yeah, yeah. probably yeah. text me about how bad smackdown is and i'll say i'm not watching it i'm watching like some 80s movie and yeah, not, not samurai cop know. because i'm not gonna cheat on you with that i won't watch it I'll just read <laughs> Well, I will not cheat on you and watch Samurai Cop. We'll we have you've watched it, but I have to watch it with you. Yes, you have. Just to like it. our friend of the podcast, Kevin, has told me there's a movie I have to watch with him that he can't wait for to go like total MST three thousand on. So, mm. yeah, maybe we'll have to pull you in so we can say the ridiculousness factor is high. Yeah, absolutely. So, all right. Well, thanks for joining and uh, we'll see you in season three. Bye. Season three.